Hello, I'm Reg. And I'm Tiff. And we're, and we're the, the Fashion, fashion geeks. geeks. Trying to make New York. And the world. Well, New York is the world. A little flyer, one outfit. And podcast. At a time. Welcome to the ride, ladies and gentlemen. We are the Fashion Geeks. I am Reg Ferguson. And creator. I am Tiffany Mattel Schreiber, the yes, Fashion Geek number two. You are. And I was going to say I'm the creator I'm of New York Fashion Geek. <laughs> and now we got that out. He is why we are here. In well, your ears. Yes, I am, but I couldn't have been here without you because this was your idea. Well, I like to support you in any way I can, you know, because I, I, I believe in you. I, I believe in what you're bringing to the table. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, just just trying to make guys fly. That's what right. we do. Fashion for the everyday man. Yep. Making it clear, making it succinct, and making it good. Making it sharp. Right. So what you been up to, Tiff? Oh, you know, isn't that? <laughs> wow. Yep. My gosh, it's my grandparents in the kitchen again. Ooh, listen to that. A Just little bit doing of that. A mm-hmm. little bit of this. Have you been traveling, Tiff? Let's get specific. Well, I haven't traveled since the last time I traveled. Oh, my gosh. So you're, you're local. Yeah. Kind of sort of enjoying my own bed for a little while. Oh. For the holidays when I have to travel again. Sounds like a date I have. Yeah. And travel is always fashionable. Absolutely. Always. Well, let, let's talk about that. Okay. Traveling is fashionable based on your kit, but more importantly, your luggage. Because in the words of my sister Lenore, luggage is an accessory. It certainly is. So the question is, when you are traveling, is your gear matching your luggage? Um, hmm. Matchy-matchy? Not so much. It doesn't have to be matchy-matchy. Is it coordinated, Marcus? Um, I do like to coordinate what I'm carrying, what I'm pulling behind with what I'm wearing. And let me just make a statement about people traveling today do not travel the way they used to. No, because first of all, they're wearing sweatsuits. Right. They're wearing sweatpants. It's ridiculous. (sighs) The air, the airplane is a bus with wings. Right. I have to chime in here as I already have. I grew up in the last generation of the Pan Am era. I was totally going to bring that up. My yes. God, how swanky was that? My late mother worked for Pan American. No. Yeah, absolutely. I never knew that. Yeah. So, Jesus, little pearls. So growing up, when you are an employee of Pan Am, you have to dress. You totally have to dress. So you're talking to a family who already established to be fly. Mm. So it wasn't really Herculean to abide by the rules of the carrier. But with all sincerity, literally, you would have rules. You must dress this way. You must dress that way. So, again, that was a layup for me and my family. So that's what we did. And that's why to this day when I'm flying, in the very best, I have a suit on. In the very least, I have a sport jacket and pants on. Hmm. I'm not that dressed. I won't fly in heels because my, you know, <laughs> I got that unfortunate thing of feet swelling in the air. So. Oh, I've heard about, <laughs> I've heard about that. Well, I don't take yep. my shoes off. I don't take my shoes off on the plane. Oh, I do. And I bring up. Oh, you one of those? I bring a pair of cashmere socks <sighs> to put on to keep my feet warm and comfy <sighs> when I'm traveling. Cashmere. I know it's cashmere. That's why I'm going uh, versus going. No. It's cashmere. 
Okay. But I do, I dress comfortably, but I, I also dress put together and fashionable. I have my jewelry on. If I can go without wearing a belt, I do, because it's such a pain in the butt to go through security and take your belt off and then put your belt back on. Oh, it's not a big deal. So I try to dress, you know, according to that. And shoes, my shoes are always easy to slip on and slip off. My That's important. My most favorite are mules. I will wear my mules you know, because I could just slip them off and put them in the security bin. And what about run slides? Uh, slides too. Flip flops are another choice. <laughs> no, no, no. I Ladies just, and gentlemen, just triggered. Flip flops must only be worn in two places. They're easy at to the take beach, off <laughs> at the beach and at the shower from the gym mm. or the pool. We shall we shall be engaged in this it. diatribe for the. That's it. Oh, we we can make this a whole talk. We can make this a whole show. We will. You uh, do not wear them out in the street of New York City. But anyway, I do not go dressed like Pan Am, where I wear a dress or Sorry a skirt and high heels, just because Sorry it's just that. really not comfortable. And the flight attendants will tell you they're not comfortable in it. Either. There's a price to be paid for fashion, Tiff. But I will wear my set. Of multiple strands of pearls that can either be long or you can pull a string, two strings, and they shorten up into a choker. I always travel with my multiple strands of pearls. I respect the jewelry choice. Sam Edelman, everyone, must have those. Okay. They make everything you wear fashionable. I'm sure. All right. Moving on. So, yeah, that's me. Nice. Um, I heard that uh, you have a client that needs your services. Did a little birdie tell you? Yes. <laughs> a little birdie came and went and chirped to my ear earlier this evening. Yes, I am shopping with a repeat client tomorrow. Good. All right. Introducing him to some new brands. Right. Ones that I know, but he doesn't. And I think that's really important. Because, and I want to touch on that. That is sure. very important because a lot of, like, I stick to my brands. I'm like, I know what fits, whatever. And the next, and the next thing you know, I'm buying the third year, the fourth year of the brand. And it's different. And it doesn't fit or look the same because they've changed somehow or something. Well, it's not somehow or something. What happened is the chief designer changed. Uh, that's what happened. I'll give you a great example of that. Young adulthood, Hugo was my boss. Loved Hugo Boss. I see what you did there. That was really Kanye. Mm. The good Kanye. So, <laughs> way back in the day. All right. When he was rocking polo stuff, search. So, anyway, great designer for me. European cuts are more flattering to my build. And me and Hugo Boss, we were off and rocking. But I'm here to tell you, for the past few years, if I check out Hugo Boss... Doesn't fit right. It just doesn't fit right, right? Doesn't fit right. So what does that mean? My my body type, fortunately, has not changed. Their de- their chief designer has changed. It happens. And you know, and then it leaves me in a oh my god, what do I do? Where do I shop? So it's nice that you have a, a client who recognizes. Oh, I can go to the to to the reg, and uh, get a little help. Well, I think it's important It's important for myself to learn new brands, but I love and am flattered when a client is open to that as well. Yeah, that's huge. So that is what we are doing tomorrow. Can't but you, wait. You're not only doing personal shopping. What else are you doing, which is amazing? Well, my client is also shopping, per my recommendation, for friends, family, and clients. So you're going to take him gift shopping? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Cannot tell you how much I would love to have someone telling me, 
what I should look at as far as gift shopping because I don't know about you guys. It's the holiday season, and uh, I'm I'm coming to that usual place in my life where I'm like, what do I get for who? my husband for crying out loud? Tiffany, let's keep it real. A few episodes back, I told you at least one specific place to go, and you went, you're shopping now in November? <laughs> I should have done. Oh, Excuse I got, my language. I'm, gonna I'm done. To, I'm going to have to go back to that episode and, and listen to it so I can shop now. Sounds like uh, you should become a client. <laughs> well, I kind of am. <laughs> but your husband isn't. No, he's not. Ridiculous. He, I just think they're teasing me, ladies and gentlemen. He's your holdout. He needs your my final help. holdout. He needs my help. And you probably do, too. And if you do, DM me at New York Fashion Geek. On the Insta. Consultation is free. I'm just going to break it down. But it's going to be fun. Because that's what shopping should be. And that's what creating a look should be. It should be fun. It shouldn't be stressful. It shouldn't be laborious. No. And that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about, you know, the everyday things and everyday concerns about the everyday man. Because we're fashion for the everyday man. Which an everyday man contacted us. And asked us to explore, I would say, a very important question. Wonderful segue, Tiff. Thanks. Our listener, friend of the NYFG, Michael Loken, hit us up. And his question was this. Which worked best with blue pants? Brown or black shoes? Hmm. Mr. Loken, I'm going to give you a little history lesson from me. When I was growing up, if I wore navy slacks, I was generally rocking black wingtip shoes. Black wingtip. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Old school classic guy. My grandpa was. I am as well. Okay. Then I became a young adult. Mm. And I transitioned. And times changed. Time waits for no one. In the words of my late grandfather, the only thing constant is change. I started trying out brown shoes with not just my navy pants, but the navy pants of my navy suit. (laughs) And I'm here to tell you, as a grown-ass man, as I am, and I know you are too, brown is where it's at generally. I have to agree. I'm not trying to talk out of both sides of my mouth. Wednesday... I had on my double-breasted pinstripe suit. Oh, double-breasted. Okay. And I love that because of the shade of the navy. I love that with black shoes. But I'm here to tell you, as the kit I have on today, I have a blue plaid suit on. Yes, but you've got a nice, lovely uh, lavender check, lavender white check shirt with a purple tie, a prince Purple tie, not I just might a, add. Not just a purple tie, a purple wool tie. Mm, Flannel. Very nice. Because it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> oh. I know, I shouldn't have said it. No, I, I, did. Love, I love that song. So, Mr. Loken, I'm here to tell you that I think ultimately you want to rock your navy pants or your blue pants, because again, it could be varying shades, with brown shoes. Unless... You're wearing a double-breasted suit, and you're going <laughs> to a more formal affair. I want to be clear. And then I'm going to say you need to put on your black shoes, wingtips, 
or buckle straps, anything with a high shine, because that's where it's at. The black shoes I have on for that Navy DB are black capto Oxfords. But could I rock that credibly with brown shoes? I could. And like I said, right now, this Paul Stewart suit, I've got brown medallion cap toes. Right. That's what works. And your I, look I just, is I a just, little, it's a little more less formal. It's very casual and it's fly. Mm-hmm. That's important. The brown shoes bring a bit of flyness because it's daring. It's like, mm. yo, I'm not going to do the normal state black number with navy. I'm going to be a little bit more daring. And I'm going to say, I'm English. I'm wearing brown with my navy. Didn't I realize that was an English thing? But I am American. <laughs> and Michael Loken, you need to be my client. That's all I'm saying. Let's that move was, on. That was an excellent question. Thanks for bringing it to us. Uh, this is the area that I like to explore, which is the area for the everyday man when you have questions. So please, listeners, new and old, bring those questions to the foreground. We can build an entire episode on your questions about essentially what you need to be in top fashion form as the everyday man. I'd love to have an episode like that. Fingers crossed. Right. So bring it. Let's move on. All right now. Fashion so the heroes. next section, uh, the usual section that we have is our fashion heroes section. Fashion, fashion, fashion. And yes. Reg has brought a real dynamo to the table, Reg. Who is our fashion hero for today? American blue jeans. What? Yep. Repping the red, white, and blue. So when you first told me, I'm like, American blue jeans. Is that a brand? Let me Google American blue oh jeans. Oh, my God. Looking for a brand. Okay, is there an American blue jeans brand? Or is he wow. just talking about just blue jeans? Because wow. we are dealing with the fashion geek, Reginald Ferguson here. I mean, do we talk in blue jeans? Is that a language? I mean, we really haven't explored that. I mean, come on. We're suits. We're ties. We're jackets. We're trousers. We're blue jeans? Rumor has it that I have none. That may be true. <laughs> But it doesn't mean I can't talk about it. From a fashion perspective, there are items that are universal. For example, the vast majority of the world wears shoes. What's mm. interesting, though, is the provenance of an item which leads to this week's fashion hero, American blue jeans. Blue jeans are uniquely American. I'm not talking about denim. I'm talking about blue jeans. Uniquely American. Levi Strauss, 501 jeans, rivets. They may not be the first denim jeans ever made in America, but they are the most popular. Right. And they were made for workers and prospectors during the gold rush. Please note, they were not a fashion item. They were a work item. And that's really important to me to say that to everybody, because that's why my late grandfather would not and could not allow himself to understand why people were wearing jeans. (laughs) Or as he called them, dungarees. Dungarees. Which I still use that word. Yes, you do. And I look at you (laughs) and I just shake my head. Hey, it's in reverence. I love my grandpa. And that's why I grew up hearing that word. That's the word for me. Jeans will always be dungarees. So he didn't understand that as a fashion item. But what he knew but couldn't accept is that throughout history, clothing designed for a specific purpose, like the factory or the military, one day would become a piece of clothing for the masses. Which we already saw with the trench coat and the... uh... What do we talk about? The Burberry trench coat. Yeah. It yeah. was first a military 
rain gear. That's, yeah. It was very purposeful in its creation. My grandfather was a mechanical engineer for Otis Elevator Company. And I want to tie in something else. He used to rock an insulated work vest. My grandfather was a big guy. Infinitely bigger than me. My grandfather rocked a 48 suit. <laughs> so he's a big dude. Mm. So it wasn't fat. He was just big. Though, back in the day, he was as slim as me. <laughs> Couldn't believe this. My grandma was like, he used to be slim. He was like, yeah, man, you know, I used to be. And I was like, no, grandpa. She fed him too well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, because that's literally what she did for a living as a domestic. But the point is... I used to watch him with this insulated work vest, Navy work vest. I actually, I got a chance to see it recently uh, as I was clearing stuff out of my family's house. And I thought about it because a few years ago, I bought what is now, de rigueur, an insulated worker vest. It's a Speedwack. It's in tribute to my grandpa. Mm. And... It was funny looking at this old one. I still can't fit it, and I'm grown. <laughs> I can't help my grandfather's job. But the the point is this: these things change; they transition. So it was just it was great. I would see him with that. He'd have a flannel shirt. And he'd have that on. I would see that. I would see that. I would see that. And now, just a few years ago, this is the thing. And I'm it's like, oh my god! Item now it moved right. But from when I was a kid, work item. It was just grandpa's grandpa's work clothing. Right. So. I think about all the TV commercials in the 70s and 80s and 90s because I think of him reacting to all those commercials from those decades because he would just lose his mind. He just didn't understand. He was just like, what, what is this? Right. What is this? Because to you and me and, and everybody alive today, we don't know life without jeans, without blue jeans. But there was a time in, in the universe when blue jeans did not exist. Well, it's not that they did not exist. They did not exist as a fashion item. If, I, if, I'm, right. if I'm citing the gold rush, they existed. What I mean by the everyday man did not wear blue right. jeans. Or, or woman. Or woman oh, for, that, for right. that point. Yes. So that's why particularly, you know, for me, being relative in terms of growing up. So obviously the 70s were big for that advertisement. But, you know, I remember that vaguely as a little kid. But let's say the 80s and 90s in which, you know, I'm really cognizant of what's Huge. going on. But he just was like hmm. always gobsmacked and just always like rah, 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 rah. Just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. You don't wear those except you don't. No, that's literally, he was just like, wow, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Because he was a worker. He was a laborer. That's what he wore for whatever he had to do. It's not that I ever saw him wear what I constituted as as jeans, as dungarees. But I think for him, it was more about if he wore a work suit, if he wore a coverall, that was his association. And clearly before I was ever thought of, I'm sure he literally did wear them. Yep. But he just, that never, oh, he was just always begrudging. He was just like, oh, he just just never understood it. And I I respect that. The name Calvin Klein would totally befuddle my grandpa. He was just like, What? You know what? And then for me, I'm like, as a hip-hop kid, you know, for me, it's Run DMC. Hmm. So it's like, you know, Calvin Klein, no friend of mine, don't want nobody's name on my behind, which my mom cheered when she heard that lyric because that was a stretch of time that my mom was still a major influence in my life in terms of music and everything. And we're both loving rap at the same time, which is, you know, odd. Right. But I had a cool mom. (laughs) So, but she was fronting too. 
even though she was cheering that. Like, yeah, right. you shouldn't be. She had a pair of Calvin Klein jeans. Not even that. I remember in the 70s, growing up in the West Village, we went to some spot. I should literally do the research on Greenwich. That was called the Jeans Factory. I think now it's like a bookstore, and we walk downstairs, and she got custom jeans. Wow. So she, yeah, oh, I remember that. I totally remember that. Wow. Because my mom's African-American, and she had a typical, I guess we would say African-American body. She had hips. And I guess going to the store, that did not work. So but, she got custom, because that's what was going on in the 70s. But that's good. She got custom. She wasn't wearing anybody's brand on her behind, because she had her own brand. Hers. Yeah, but it's not. Listen, come on. If you're American, you have someone's brand. Right? Well, we just did a previous episode in which a guest was like, yo, I'm rocking a YSL. Eve St. Laurent, which now everyone's just calling Laurent, which I hate. And he got to have Barney's. These are all brands. Let us be clear, based on what I'm literally talking about, right? When Strauss met with this other cat, we're talking about 1800s. That yep. was a brand. So stop. You know, everyone wants to do this. And, and I feel like they're being revisionist. We've always had marketing. We've always had brands. How it's affecting people through technology and the levels, that's a different story. But this stuff always existed. That's right. The historic brands included Levi's, Lee, and Wrangler. And Oshkosh Bagash. Was Oshkosh Bagash Absolutely. American? Uh, yeah, it's from Wisconsin. They came later? No, that's all the same era. That's all the same era. Okay. I had Lee's. Back in the day, old school New York, you guys know what I'm talking about, Lee Busters. That Lee's. Was a, yeah. Everybody had Lee's. And yeah, Wranglers but, yeah, from but Sears. Yeah, but Lee Busters, you don't know what I'm talking about. Let me explain. Only New Yorkers understand this. Busters? Not, I remember not, Busters? No, Lee Busters. There's not one New Yorker at this studio right now. When I was growing up, there was a gang called the Decepticons. Okay, you know who they are, but you weren't here. <laughs> yes, I know who you know, the late. Oh, I l- Not personally, no, no. So, uh, okay, no, never personally. So the point is. That's our producer, Search, chiming in. I love it when these two do that. Go ahead, go ahead. They were... Uh, they, there was a whole thing about ripping off patches off of Lee's and collecting them. That I was remember a, that. That, that was, was happening a, in North Carolina, too. Okay, well, that came from here. All right. So that's what Lee Busters were. And you had to literally watch your back. Because they're going to rip that shit off of you. Yep. Yep. Remember that. Fortunately, that did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I had Lee's. I had multicolored Lee's. I mean, that was the thing. I had the Lee's with my Nikes or the Lee's. Really, my kit really was... Lee's with Adidas, with my Adidas T-shirt and my Yankee jacket. That was my hip-hop. That was my hip-hop New York kit. My thing was um, Calvin Klein and Chic or Chick. Chic. No, Chic jeans. I remember Chic jeans. Chic or Chick. I think it might have been chic. called Chick jeans. Chic jeans. Tight. Chick jeans? Tight. No, yeah, I think you're right, Chick jeans. Tight. Oh, my God. They were tight. But hmm. the bottom line is what we're all talking about. We're talking about a symbol of America. Mm. It's the spirit of the West. With cowboys, especially TV shows that hyped it up, like Gunsmoke, Bonanza, The Rifleman, the counterculture through movies in the 50s and 60s, Marlon Brando, James Dean. Hollywood and the music industry played a large role. Yep, James Dean actually brought jeans into the fashion culture, wearing them in uh, the movie Rebel, Rebel. Without a Cause. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, and it became significant, the jeans. 
to the the rebel kids of America in the 1950s. That's when it moved from worker attire to actual fashion wear. Right. And that's what I'm saying about Hollywood. I mean, also Hollywood was incorporating, I can't remember the names, I think like Carol Lombard and stuff like that, but just Hollywood starlets also rocking their jeans when they're out camping. Oh, yes. So this is a whole... Glamping before glamping was even born. So this is, you know, this is the thing. And now let's also look at the impact that they had worldwide. Europe, Russia, and Germany. I mean, those specific spots, absolutely fiending for our genes. Would barter for them. Would use them as currency. I mean, literally. That's crazy. Didn't Russia, like, you couldn't get them uh, except right. on a black, they created a black market right. for Western jeans. Right. Because you couldn't, because Russia uh, saw it as a sign of the rebellion coming, so they suppressed any jeans right. going on the regular market. Right. Same thing with Germany. Same thing with Germany. Wow. Interesting that a pair of jeans could make a, a regime, I'll call them a regime, nervous. Only in America. Mm. Let's talk or about Russia. Japan. Let's talk about Japan. With just their overall love of American culture, which had a lot to do with Hollywood and the U.S. Army. I mean, the blue jean look was incorporated by their youth. I mean, they just always imported, you know, our stuff from a cultural standpoint anyway. But now they're making their own jean. Like, there's a, all these new Japanese jean companies. Their jeans. Japanese jean brands. Their jeans, particularly Selvage, are better than ours. Hello? Why? Because they bought the original equipment. That Levi's were made from. Did they really? Absolutely. There is the answer. Because I was wondering. I'm like, how the hell? All right, now. I love jeans. I know I don't wear them, ladies and gentlemen. God bless America. God bless America. Of course. <laughs> you know, I have to I have to put in my little, you know, I have to bring to the table from my point of view of form and fit and stuff like that. And I got a little sweet little something for you, Reg, that I found. Oh, oh, okay. Um, the, the little history of the whole jean thing. So we know, you know, jeans called blue jeans. Um, you know, jeans are a term of fabric. Blue jeans, it's a dye of the fabric. And back in the day, the trousers and everything, um, they were, you know, basically constructed from blue-colored denim. But prior to that, prior to the whole denim, there was a different kind of fabric that they used that they would dye blue and call them blue jeans. And the jean references um, a type of sturdy cloth commonly made with a cotton warp and a wool weft. Oh, you and that warp and weft. I got to bring it in. Oh, God. So once again, the warp is one direction of thread and the, the, the weft is the perpendicular direction. And I thought this was interesting that the first jean was a cotton wool blend and it was called the Virginia cloth because if you think about it, that was probably some uncomfortable pair of jeans right there. The wool and the cotton. Oh my goodness. In the summer. Yeah. And you, you know, if you think about the, 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 uh, the stretch of both of those fibers, the cotton and the wool, it's, it's like, what an interesting weave, what an interesting look that we've, uh, made, but that was the first jean reference, and it was it was in France actually who you know who made that first jean. Yeah, I've heard that. So but we I just had to bring it in because about American jeans. You know my favorite words: warp and weft. Yes, I know. I needed to bring that in there. Uh. But everything else that I found, you know, we touched on. Um, 
I also wanted to point out that a lot of the uh, the processes of distressing and shrinking and yeah, dying, stonewashing, yeah, yeah. stone and, and stonewashing, that stone basically wash. takes a nice new pair of jeans and ruins it. I don't understand that still, <laughs> except stonewash, because I definitely was a stonewash era. Well, it's, it's sort of a back fashion now. statement, and all of that sort of came out of the 60s and the 70s. In the 80s and 90s. Well, well, the 70s with the, with the, um, the punk rockers, they just destroyed anything. It's like destroying the establishment. I'm going to take the establishment of blue jeans and I'm going to rip them up and destroy them. And then followed by the grunge movement of distressed. Everything's distressed. That's how, you know, that became popular. And I thought that was kind of interesting. It was kind of fashion was influenced by music in a way. Oh, there's no question. I mean, I mean, I already said between Hollywood and music. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you can't have one without the other. And that's not unique to American blue jeans, as I'm constantly stressing not to be jingoistic. But that's how it works. I mean, we've had conversations about hip-hop culture. Boom. Demographics, music, you know, they marry, and, and interesting things happen. And it all comes from work attire. Work wear, labor wear, it turns into fashion. That's why my grandpa turns could never, ever, musically. ever, ever get with it. My grandfather never, and rightfully so, never had a pair of dungarees. Really? Ever. Why would he? Reg, I know you got a pair of jeans in that closet. You better, you better pony up and tell us what kind you got. I am not saying anything, but I can discuss about dungarees <laughs> and at length. All right, well, let's move on to our I Must Have It item. Oh, yeah. I must must have it, have it, have it. I have to say I was totally not familiar with this one, so... I'm glad. I love the look. Oh, my God, I love the look. So what, what is it? Let's tell our listeners who are waiting. What's our fashion item, our our must-have-it item? The Hardy Amy's Burnt Orange Single-Breasted Trench Coat. Wow, that's a mouthful. Oh, my God. Hardy Amy's, please help me out. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Tiff is tantalizing me with a, a color copy of it on paper. Can I just tell you that I looked at this, I'm like thinking trench coat. You know, most trench coats are double-breasted. This is single-breasted. Yeah, I have a single-breasted And not only... uh, Well, okay. But not only... uh, But it's... it's, All my trenches have been single-breasted, I think. It's so mod-looking. It looks right... It's from England. It's from the 60s as well. It's kind of like time has stopped with this trench coat. so dope. Like, we could have seen this on any show in the oh. 60s. And our guest, you know, our past guest, Carlos, could have rocked this sucker in a minute because he has that kind of stuff. I can rock it in a minute, too. Yes. Reg, I got to be honest. Yes. I abs- When I saw this, I was like, oh, my God, that would look so good on you. I know. So uh, uh, tell us, uh, do you have this item? No. Mm. I don't. All right. I will tell you how I found said item. Should I give a description first before you pass on? It's entirely up to you. So their listeners can visualize what I just passed around. All right. Hardy Amy's single-breasted trench coat Mm. in vibrant 
burnt orange with a button fastening and detachable waist belt. Yes. Crafted from cotton gabardine. Mm -hmm. The single vent trench coat is finished with contrast black buttons. I know. Adjustable button cuffs. Yep. And two side pockets. That's interesting. Adjustable button cuffs. That's great. The inside is lined with viscose and features a slip pocket with Hardy Amy's brand tab. It's oh. simple in design, but yet very elegant. I know. Very nice. Yes. I'm a subscriber to The Rake. As we all know here, I keep magazines in business. I love me, <laughs> you, I love, I love me some periodicals. Yes, you do. I do. I'm stacking. Anyway, The Rake always has a Rake Recommends section. I was, I was bequeathed some old editions. From a few years ago, because what's old is what's new again. Right. That's from my late mom. And I saw that, and it just stopped me. I was like, Internet! Ah! You can't find it anymore. You can't buy it. I it's found never it. never going to happen. You found it to purchase? Etsy, eBay, Amazon. What? what? How do you think I got this picture? From the internet? Yep, I sure did. Really? Yep. For uh, purchase? Yep. Man, I'm but I found, I, when you, I was like, why is this available on Etsy? Why is this available on eBay? Because you can't get it today. Exactly. You get it's it. It's only a few years old. Uh, yeah, you get it either pre-owned or somebody right. bought it and never wore it. Right. And then you're going to get it. How many pounds? Uh, I did not find that. I did, oh. not, I did not find the so, cost. So you know it could be sold and you saw no price? I didn't look at the price. I apologize. Wow. you. Have but everybody can research. Google it and find it. Can no, we, stop them. <laughs> can we talk about the designer? Sure. That's what I found super interesting. First Do of it. all, Hardy Aim, Amy's. Amy's. Is We're s- not messing this up, James. Sorry. At JJ Textile Manchester. Is Sir. Edwin Hardy Amy's. He's a sir, knighted mm. by the queen. What? Yep. And what was so interesting to me was he was an English fashion designer, uh, of course, founder of the Hardy Ames label, but uh, he was best known for his official title as dressmaker for Queen Elizabeth II. What? From her accession to the throne in 1952 until wow. he retired in 1989, the year I graduated from college. Wow. Yes. He dressed the queen. He designed for the queen. He built for the queen. I did not know that. Yes. So, uh, and this is what was so, because, you know, I love the queen. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's, she's interesting. They're all interesting. The dresses and everything. Oh, you got I used that, to build costumes. You got and, that American English thing going well, on. Well, I used to build costumes from all the queen periods. You know, this period is defined by this queen, and that period is defined by that queen. So I do have an affection for queens and their, and their fashion. But what was most striking about him designing for this queen and what he said is that um, she's, she never liked the haute couture because mm. of, he, she found it edgy. So Queen Elizabeth II always felt she should be dressed appropriate for the occasion. So when I read that, I was like, well, of course. I mean, I don't know. How's that different from, shouldn't we, don't we? I don't know. I leave the house thinking I need to be addressed appropriate for the occasion. <laughs> is that is that something that people back in the day wasn't, they weren't necessarily doing? It was a statement she made. Well, I mean, I, I mean, that's what fashion is, right? It's about making a statement. 
Right. That's, That's what true. style does. You make a statement. But another interesting fact about him, he was the uh, the first uh, British-based fashion house um, making history by staging the men's ready-to-wear catwalk shows at the Savoy Hotel. So, yes, he was doing bespoke, uh, but he also did a ready-to-wear a ready line that he actually put on the catwalk. And the year is 1961. Wow. So he was the first. That's slick. Yep. And it was the first time music was played as well. Oh! As, 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 des- as models walked down wearing designer duds on the catwalk. That's hot because we play music on our podcast. Yeah, we do. In homage. Because, because music and fashion, hello. Yeah, but that's because we take it for granted. So, Reg, um, where can uh, I mean, I think everybody needs to Google. Oh, what do we have? What do we have? We have a little. I don't know. People seem to be finding it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to buy it for you, Reg. We're totally going to buy it for you. Oh, yes. It's on Coggles. Coggles is where I found it, and it's sold out. It's 135 pounds. Someone's oh. showing me. Totally sold, sold out. out info. I don't need that. I need current. Go to Etsy. Go to eBay. You'll find it there. Yipes. It is it, it is a coat high in, de- in demand. It's fly. I like it. It's totally fly. It's burnt orange for crying out loud. Mm, mm, well done, mm. Rich. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. And listen, burnt orange, everyday man can rock it. Let me tell you. Absolutely. On a on a even wait, a Harris tweet wearing this over a Harris tweet suit. Yeah, get about I mean, it. You have a you have a wealth of options about how to coordinate, and if you become my client, I will show you the way. Mm. And there it is. Let's All right, moving on. on. The last most exciting mm. portion. Because you're a school teacher in your past life. Fashion word of the day. <laughs> Fashion word, Fashion word, word of, the day. of the day. I love this section because you have to say what your word is and then we spell it and then we, oh, we, we spell it, we define it and we use it in a sentence. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I got a good one today. I got oh, I'm sure you always have a I good one. I got three pages worth, but I already know. I don't understand one. this. One word, just one <laughs> word. Cause I like to have options. Just like, you know, what you, you open your closet for the day. You have <laughs> uh, options. Okay, that, that was hitting close to home. Right? Yes. So should I go first? Of course. All right. So my word, uh, as I try to do, kind of ties in with some of the things we talked about earlier in the podcast. So my word is very simple. Rise. Rise. R-I-S-E. Ding, 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 ding. Nice spelling. Very nice. Oh. Thank you, but I have no definition, so I'm about to get buzzed. What? You don't have a definition for rise? I don't. When I think of rise, when I think of rise, for me, the definition is a very popular American song by Herb Alpert in the 80s. <laughs> Probably in the 70s. Or rise and shine. It was, great, it was a great song. No, but that was my definition. I know rise and shine. That's a phrase. Because you know I, I picked those words that could have alternate I mean, meaning. rise, I mean... I'm going to I'm going to stumble at this but I mean essentially rise is the height the height of where your pants are cut. Oh, dude, you just nailed it. You got it. Oh. That was my Hail Mary. All right, let me let me say I guess I am a fashion geek. The words that are on the paper, the distance from the crotch 
to the top of the waistband in jeans and trousers. You will, if you go to a tailor, he's going to measure this rise and you need to be prepared. His hands will be in your crotch <gasps> and that's the way it will work. But that's you got to get the wallet. rise. You got to get the rise right. And I have to say that slowly because you can't say rise right 10 times fast. So, um, I tried to get my so rise right. common options include high, medium, and low rise. So a lot of low rise is common in today's fashion. People like something that's sitting below the waist. The medium rise is on the waist. And the high rise is usually right at the waist and maybe a little before. So I say high rise is a where little I live. above. <laughs> so you want to use it in a sentence? Can you use it in a sentence or... Sure. Really, I would argue throughout the decades, the level of where your rise is has changed. Very nice because it's so true. It's really crazy because when I was growing up, my waistline was at a very specific point. And now that's at no your longer waist. Right, now that's no longer considered my waistline. It's just so it's so bizarre to me. And it's mostly in jeans. We were just talking about blue jeans. But not only in jeans. I mean, obviously, jeans have been very clear cut about a low rise and blah, 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 blah. But from a shirt and tie suit guy, I'm here to tell you that the way I used to like my pants, you know, cinched up is not the way I generally rock them now. So that's what time does. Yep. And your pants are getting a little tighter now, too, right? A little more fitted. Yeah, but that's I mean, that's different. But we're literally just talking about. You know, a rise is different than... The but cut. I think a rise works in conjunction with the fit. I think a Who's higher rise, baggier fit was the 80s. Totally the 80s. Totally the generations. The different influences in the 80s. And as we've gotten into the the 2000s, especially, you know, the, two, the present 2000, everything is slim fit, low rise. So that it it gives a more penciled look in the tailored world. Sure, but I want to I want to explain this to listeners who hopefully will become clients. That's a standard. Not everyone falls within that standard. For example, I'm a tall, slim guy. I'm a sample size. I link up generally very well for ready to wear. I don't necessarily need bespoke. I don't need made to measure. But just because you don't fit that doesn't mean you can't be fly. You can always be fly. High rise, low rise, or medium rise. If you work with me, you'll be fly. But, you know, I I just want to be clear about that because people see these things and it's about aspiration. And not everyone, literally just from a physical standpoint, they can't do that. So I don't want you to feel that you're left out of the party is my point. Ah, Thank you, Reg. I'm sure they appreciate that. So brilliant. Now, bring it on. All right. Here what we you go. got for me? I got one word for you. Hijab. 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 H I J A B. Yes. Hijab. And it's a overwear that the women in some Arab states wear over any clothing underneath. No? It only exposes the eyes. <sighs> Am I close? You're close. Okay. A hijab is a traditional scarf worn by Muslim women to cover their hair and neck and sometimes their face. Just the scarf? It doesn't. 
It's not yep, the yep. whole, the scarf and the robe? If you want to, you could look at our producer and he can search it for you. Search it, search. H-I-J-A-B. I'm just saying. All right. There we go. I shot and I scored. Yeah, you did. Sorry, Tiff. There's always another episode. But that's okay. <laughs> I spelled it right. You did. And I was sort of in the same area. You were in the region. Pun intended. <laughs> I'm trying to think, should I try to even no, no, use no, it in no, a no, sentence? No, no, It's over. <laughs> well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. We Thank hope you. We you had fun or down for another one. Please tell your friends about us. A special shout-out goes to our producer, Search, who just corrected Tiff on her messed-up definition of the fashion word of the day. It wasn't that messed up. I was in the neighborhood. You were in the neighborhood. So... I was, I was swinging. I, I, no, I you tipped were close. it. I didn't miss close. it. You were I close. It. You were close. All right. And special shout out to everyone down with the NYFG. And new listeners, old listeners, thank you. Please continue to listen. Subscribe to us. Yes. When you subscribe to us, that means the the um, the outlets go. Wait, this is something new, new and, and noteworthy. We 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 need to take a, a moment and think about this, and you know, give us some give us some reviews, give us some props. Contact us. We need it. <laughs> yeah, but we just love it. We want to hear from you. Absolutely. Check us out on the Insta, New York Fashion Geek. You could also email us at podcast at nyfashiongeek.com. There's also a website, obviously, newyorkfashiongeek.com. And any of those, you can contact Reg for a free consultation. Absolutely. I'll help you out. Because isn't that what this is all about? We just want you to be the best you could be. That's correct. I'm a personal trainer for fashion. Yes, you are. I love <laughs> it. There it is. Personal trainer. Do your shirt. All right. We're working on shirts. Yep. And we'll do a few rounds with ties. Okay, now. I'm Reg. And I'm Tiff. See you next time. And remember, always, always be, be fly. fly.